Hi, everyone. Quick plug before we get started. As many of you probably already know who listen to this podcast, we've launched an app. It's called Vivio. It tracks your sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset and gives you individualized recommendations on a daily basis on how to get healthier, to improve your well-being, and to perform to your potentials. If you want to check it out, visit vivio.com, V-I-I-V-I-O.com. Thanks so much. Let's dive into this episode. Everyone, welcome back. Great to have you here again. Super psyched to be speaking to you and sharing these incredible ideas and guests that we've been able to bring on to my podcast. So this week, we are really lucky to get Kate Ekman to join us. I've had, oh, I'm sure if you've been listening for a while, you, you, you know that in this show, that certain topics keep coming up regardless of the guest's area of expertise, whether it's coaching or sports or adventure or nutrition or mindset or physiology, we've ended up talking a lot about gratitude and happiness and those sorts of topics. And so to that end, I wanted to dive deeper into that area. Diving deeper is appropriate this week because we're bringing yet another swimmer onto the show. Really need to diversify my sport contact network. But anyway, Kate Ekman, uh, graduated uh, front with communications from Penn State University, where she was an academic all-American swimmer. So, yes, we are diving back into speaking to swimmers, but you know, uh, we have some insights for you that might be helpful. Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Kate. She empowers high-achieving individuals to actualize their full potential. She leverages her experience as a well-known communications, performance, and mindfulness expert, accomplished and entrepreneur with an established track record of excellence and as an elite athlete to equip leaders with the tools, methodology, and energetic boost they need to excel at the game of life. She has a results-driven approach that is rooted in neuroscience, positive psychology, and holistic whole-person coaching techniques, and she works to help her clients succeed in and out of the boardroom and off the field. So again, we've got people coming on the show that mix sports and business, which is pretty cool because I think that there's so many crossovers there that are so incredibly powerful uh, in terms of just highlighting our ability to learn and and draw information from the extremes to help all of us in our in our lives. She earned a BA, as I mentioned, in communications from Penn State. She received her master's degree in broadcast journalism from Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. She graduated at the highest level from Columbia University's executive and organizational coaching program. She's a certified ICF coach and a licensed NBI consultant. She's the author of The Full Spirit Workout, a 10-step system to shed self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life, which you can check out at www.thefullspiritworkout.com. So loads of experience here, uh, athletics, business, journalism, funny enough, uh, quite similar to my own background. So I am super excited to dive into this conversation and share this wide ranging exploration of energy, performance, resilience, focus, relationships, confidence, well-being, and fulfillment. All right, no further delays. Please enjoy my conversation with Kate Ekman. I just love the fact that I've got yet another swimmer on the show. And like you were at Penn State, All-American, great start. But how did you go from 
that beginning as an athlete all the way through journalism to now author. And obviously there's a f- um, some significant challenges faced upon the way, which led you to the insights and, and, and education that you've gotten. So I just love to know more about your background and help everyone get to know you a little bit better. Sure. And thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. And I love my fellow swimmers. We're all a little bit nutty if we chose to do that sport. It's very intense and unforgiving and diving into freezing cold pools at five in the morning while everyone else is sleeping. But that's that's why we have a special bond, do we not? So um, yeah, you know, I talk about a story in the book and it really is an origin story in terms of being four years old at the swim club and my mom having me in swim lessons and I didn't really care for it. And I wasn't really feeling my, my swim instructor, Mark either. In fact, one day after swim lessons, I overheard him talking to my mother and saying something along the lines of Kate isn't a very good swimmer. And I find it remarkable that as a four-year-old sweet, innocent child, that I took some comment from a stranger and made it a core belief and a core belief that said, I have to perform at a high level to be loved and to be worthy and valuable. And just, I can feel it in my body even so many years later that, oh my gosh, I don't want my parents to have a bad swimmer, especially since they're so athletic and taking that moment at four and then at eight, having all the records at that swim club. And then at 18, having all but three records in every event and every age group because of this obsession with performance that to the outside world was great. And I certainly achieved a lot, but inside I was filled with this pain of anxiety. And I see how this limiting core belief and a lot of the the crap that we pick up and it's crap because it's lies. It's it's not based in any truth that we pick up, especially in our childhood and, and moving along. And in some ways it can really propel us to achieve great things. And in other ways, it really holds us back. And so for me, someone who was achieving outside success in my career, but was filled with the self-doubt and the insecurities. And I know I'm not alone in this because I live in the world and, and look around and I see how much everyone is struggling with confidence on some level. And so I knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles to compete at such a high level for so long. And I knew there had to be a way to train my attitudinal muscles, my mental, emotional, spiritual muscles, and really get fit on the inside so that I could navigate these less tangible roadblocks that we all experience, like stress and anxiety and fear of judgment, doubt, anything that brings us down, a global pandemic. I mean, just heavy emotional gravity that we're always going to be up against. And so that really sent me on my mission to go back to school and and get my master's degree at Columbia and do so much research and really create a better way of life for not just myself and my clients, but for anyone. And that's why I'm, I'm so happy to birth this book baby, especially since I'm not having children of my own human form. This is really my legacy and, and just an extension of my soul. I love the idea of inner fitness versus physical fitness. And you're talking like you figured out how to train your muscles, but the inner work, the training of the confidence, the emotions, the mindset is just as important as the physical training. And that's what has ultimately led you down this road. I mean, it's an interesting idea of training your inner fitness. Uh, it's so powerful. Can you expand on that a little bit? Just because I think it's it's quite, in- it's really interesting. 
Absolutely. So when you think of physical fitness, you may picture yourself grinding it out at the gym and making it happen. And, and, and really I picture the hamster on the wheel, just going at Mach 10 and not really letting up and sweating to death where the inner fitness is more about stillness and going within and, and having that I call it sit and stare time, that time to sit quietly in a room by yourself and actually check in and how are you doing and what do you need and, and, and reflect and process everything that's going on in life. And so, you know, that word mindfulness gets thrown around a lot, but that's certainly what it is, but it's, it is a practice just like training your muscles for whether you're a professional athlete or you just want to be fit and healthy. This is a mindset training. This is a, a spiritual and emotional training because our default setting is to get very triggered and upset by certain events. Our default setting is to place all of our worth in the outside world. Our default setting is to care what other people think and be obsessed with money and notoriety and what we look like and how many likes and followers, because that's our culture. So this is, um, you know, it's challenging, but doable. And, and certainly the results are worth it, but it really is a complete 180 degrees away thinking from our society. And that's why it is a practice. But once you start to live your life from, from, from that place, that solid foundation, I'm not talking about dialing it in and that performance confidence, as I call it, but that unshakable, unbreakable embodied confidence that can only come from within. Oh my God. I'm just like furiously writing notes here. Um, oh my God. I love you. <laughs> so good. So good. All right. Let's talk about that training process. Uh, two episodes ago, I, I had someone on who's an Olympic co swim coach actually. And we talked about, you know, physical and tactical preparation for an Olympics, but this is almost like the exact same thing, but from an inner perspective. So you talked about sitting in stillness with yourself all alone. And that is a practice. Can we talk about some of the other practices that help us to get rid of the baggage of worrying about what the world thinks or developing that inner confidence? Like how do we build that unshakable confidence and, and, and resilience so that no matter what happens in and around us, we are able to, respond. We're able to be the person that we want to be. We're able to be confident. We're able to lead. We're able to be happy around our families. We're able to, you know, all those sorts of things. I'm curious about the, the nuts and bolts of a process that, that, that we could get into that would actually help us to do this better. Absolutely. I, I want to just gently remind everyone that confidence stems from the words to trust or to do something with trust. And I think that's so powerful because there's a lot of misconceptions about what confidence looks and feels like, but the real confidence that that can't be, you know, our, our spirits and our, our inner confidence can't be rejected, can't be criticized. And I say that to a lot of my clients to our athletes who are, especially, you know, a lot of athletes, they're, they're still young. They're, they're in their twenties and they, they don't have all the tools that we develop as we get older and they're so devastated. And it's because they've bought into all of the outside criticism, but I said, your spirit and who you are at your core can never be rejected or criticized. <laughs> they always, they always say, amen, you know, so they get it. Um, but then it is the practice. So I think it's, it's trusting and in, in the process and divine timing in ourselves and our teammates, and then I, I call it the five P's of confidence. And the first is presence. So being all there and, and showing up like you mean it and not being distracted, not obsessing about the past or the future, but really being all there. And then 
just not just being present, but bringing your presence. So again, you show up with energy and enthusiasm and yet, like you, you care about your life and what you're doing. You see so many people show up in these big roles and it's like, they don't even want to be there. They're selling their product. And I'm like, do you even like <laughs> what you're selling? And that's where your, your why really needs to come in. And if you have a strong why you'll show up with more presence, then it's, it's being patient. So there's this beautiful 38 special song that says, hold on loosely. And what that means is that when we grip so tightly to our goal, and, and what we want and having to have it this exact way on this exact timeline, we actually repel what we want. So yes, take the inspired action steps, but then loosen your grip and trust that there is a process and a power way greater than you happening behind the scenes and, and working out all the details and will bring you something for your highest good ultimately and, and everybody. Purpose, I kind of mentioned your why, but purpose, there's many times we're gonna lack the motivation and not wanna show up. So when you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your teammates or organizations, do it for that cause so much greater than you. And when you have a really strong why, that's what research shows, that's the motivation to change and to take action. My fourth P is preparation. And so we find that when we are prepared, obviously we're more confident, but that's just about building a, a consistency of, of behavior, which leads to a consistency of habits, which leads to a consistency of results. And then practice, I, I like to use Tom Brady, I think because we're the same age and he's still winning, we're both big 10 athletes at the same time and he's still winning Super Bowls and you know, my knees hurt at Pilates. So um, <laughs> I'm I, sure his I, knees hurt like, too, for the record. <laughs> I'm sure his knees hurt too, but you know, he has something I don't have and I, I tip my hat to, to Tom Brady. Um, but you know, I people are even with coaching, I don't need a coach or I'm confident or whatever, but I said, think of Tom Brady, this man trains harder than than anyone, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best. And, and you know that when you are prepared and practiced, you feel more confident. And because I love you and your, your listeners, Greg, I'll give you two bonus P's. And one is pause. And this is the inner fitness I'm talking about. So we've all received that upsetting email. We've all, you know, been rejected. We've all, you know, sadly have lost a, a job or a loved one. We've all been triggered. And so the pause is not responding right away, taking a moment, taking a deep breath. You know what? I'm going to respond when I'm not so triggered and, and honked off. And that's really going to build that, that inner fitness. And then finally, I love this one. It's, it's person as in be a person. My speaking coach, Eduardo Placer always says to me when I'm, you know, caught up in my old ways of being with my performance obsession and my perfectionism, he says, just be a freaking person. And I think we all forget to just be a freaking person and embrace our messy humanity. And, you know, we're going to show up and say the wrong thing sometimes. We're, you know, our, our computer internet's going to go out and it's going to, I mean, just, just be a person and, and go with it, right? You're not going to um, be able to connect on Google Meet right before you do a podcast interview or you're, and you have to jump over onto Zoom right away like we did on this one. So <laughs> I totally get that. Um, don't know where that example came from as, <laughs> as Greg screwed up the technology of his pod, his own podcast. But anyway, um, super interested in the idea of confidence, meaning to trust. I actually love that. Can you expand upon that? Just because 
Um, that also gets rid of the the whole fake it till you make it thing. And, you know, all those sorts of like when you show up and you're truly confident, you're standing on the blocks, you're standing on the podium or you're sitting at dinner with your family, whatever that happens to be. And you trust because I, I just love that idea. I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. I, I think, I mean, first, I just love that our language and all words have an origin. Like we all have an origin story, as do words. And when I was doing my research paper at Columbia and and doing all about leadership confidence, and I looked it up and I just, I couldn't believe that because people are always asking or almost obsessed with how can I be more confident? And I feel like it's kind of the counterintuitive thing is to say, well, you need to trust and people, they might roll their eyes or glaze over. Oh, that's cute. Good for you, Kate, you know, um, but really it is that simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is that simple. And it's a practice to build that trust muscle. It's just like, you know, a six pack abs, you got to build a six pack trust muscle and it comes with practice. And that looks like, you know, think about it. You're an athlete. For me, the story that just came to mind was my senior year in high school when I, I trained my butt off. I, I lost my swim coach the summer before he, he died in his sleep. And so I just dedicated my entire season to him and I wanted to make him proud. And, you know, I, I remember getting my last event and getting up on the blocks and it's the 500 free, which it's kind of a daunting event, <laughs> you oh my know, God. but it makes I, me want to cringe thinking about it. Anyway, can it carry on? <laughs> Thank you for making me laugh. Yeah. Um, but I just remember getting up on the blocks and it's like, you know what? I have trained my butt off for, for years and especially this year and, and just getting up there and, and leaning. I, I trust that I have done everything I possibly can to swim my absolute best race. So now all that's left to do is have fun with it. And that's what I did. And the race felt great. I swam great. I got a best time. I didn't win, but I got third, which I was happy with. And, um, I think that so much are just we forget that surrender step. I do it with my clients where, okay, you've done all the work. Now, how can you surrender the outcome? How can you release the expectation? And sometimes that means you do what you do. You go for a walk. You, you just, you let it go in that way, or you just, you just trust that there is a power greater than you because there is. And whether you believe it or not, there is always that power working out behind the scenes. And it is working for your greatest benefit, even when you feel like it isn't. And you're like, why didn't I get that promotion? Why did that person divorce me? But it's all for your evolution. And, and again, you have to lean into trust. I really love, there's so much I want to dig into here. Oh my gosh. Um, surrender the outcome. One of the themes that's been coming up on this show so much, probably in the last literally 30 or 40 uh, episodes has been process, not outcomes. So it's interesting that we've ended up here again. And the idea of surrendering the outcome is a, is like really interesting. So you've done all the work, you show up to do the speech and you surrender the outcome. That's an, that's a really interesting idea. Whether it's not, you know, it, and I just would love to hear more about that because I, I can visualize it and I think I get it, but I want to make sure that I understand it so I can use it. Can you expand upon sure. that idea? I can. And I, I talk about this in the book too. And it was funny because I'll just share a, a quick story as quick as I can. I feel what is, um, uh, what is RuPaul says, I'm going to make a long story longer. So I'm going to try to make this quick. Nice. Don't. I, it's all good. No rush. 
Okay. But it involves the book and, and getting the book deal. And I, I, my agent and I thought we had this book deal in the bag. And at the 11th hour, someone at the publisher rejected me and said no. And I, it was my second rejection and my agent sounded as deflated as I felt. And, and I was, I was irritated. I'll be very candid with you. And this is a divine project, this whole book, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm a writer, but I I lost two friends to suicide in a year. And one was my ex-boyfriend, one was a best friend. And of course it just shook me to my core. And this was a divine assignment that I kind of took on in their honor. I dedicated the book to them and it is the story of hope and a celebration of life and, and giving ourselves the tools to, to really be fit on the inside, to combat all the things that we're all dealing with and, and often don't talk about, but we're all struggling. And I, I want to, I want to take the, um, I want to normalize that and to take the stigma out of having a bad day, being sad, being depressed, being stressed or anxious. So anyway, I got this latest rejection and I remember folding laundry in my bedroom and just throwing my hands in the air and looking up at God and looking up at the angels and having some choice words for them and just saying, you know what? I don't even have time to write a book right now. Anyway, my life is so full and fabulous as it is. If, if you guys really want me to do this, then, then you figure it out. I'm done. (laughs) I kind of stomped off to my favorite Italian place in New York city where I always go. And I was sitting there having my amazing margarita pizza and glass of red Montepulciano wine. And I, I, I heard this voice, which is just spirit that spoke to me and said, being okay, if it happens and okay, if it doesn't is a very powerful place to be. And I thought, Ooh, and it kind of stopped me in my tracks And I not only understood it intellectually in that moment, but I felt it in my bones and in my body because I was in that place where I'm like, yeah, I'm okay if I get this book deal and I'm okay if I don't because my life is going to go on. It's going to be great. It's full already. And I really did surrender the outcome. I really did release and I, I gave it up. I hate when people say, let it go. I find that very dismissive. I like to say, give it up. And so I gave it up to God. I gave it up to the angels. And literally after several months of rejections, um, literally two weeks after that moment at the pizza place, I had a phone call with my now publisher and you just, you can't make that up because it does happen that quickly when you, what is that, that saying spiritually that says infinite patience produces immediate results. So when I was just like, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to go on with my fabulous life. I I got it. So it's kind of like I had loosened my grip. I had surrendered. I really didn't care when it happened because I knew in my heart and soul it would happen. So I invite everyone to, you know, loosen your grip and, and to be okay if it happens and be okay if it doesn't, because then if that thing that you're obsessed with happens, great. If it doesn't, you will get something even more appropriate for you. I'm not even going to label it different or better, um, just more appropriate and, and really trusting in that. And it, it seems and feels like a miracle because it is, because you've just shifted your perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And you're not alone. I just, while you were speaking, I looked up JK Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series, is a reasonably successful author, got Harry Potter was rejected 12 <laughs> times before she was accepted. So, you know, we are not alone and, and you either trust and stick with it or trust and give it up. I love that idea, which then opens up space for something else possibly to drop in. Does that, is that a fair assessment and, and sort of summary of that idea? Absolutely. And just, and making space for it and, and really just trusting. I mean, 
you look at the the sun and the beach and the stars and you whatever you believe in whether it's god or nature or whatever there is there is uh, there's forces in the universe always at work whether you choose to believe or not i choose to believe it makes my life feel a lot better but i think it is trusting or trusting that the right people are going to come along things like that and um it makes life a lot uh, more, I feel, I just took a deep, deep breath. You feel like you can breathe easier because you don't feel so alone and you can rely on strength outside of yours to quote unquote, make things happen, but you really aren't making it happen at all. Rather you're allowing things to unfold. Which takes a lot of the pressure away, right? Like if you're allowing things to unfold and surrendering the outcome it's almost like standing in a river or swimming in a river, right? And fighting upstream or just simply, um, you know, being in the river and enjoying the view type thing. I think maybe I'm getting that or maybe yeah. I'm screwing it up, but that's just an interesting, no, it's like no resistance, right? No resistance. Perfect. You've got it. I mean, what just came to mind as you were talking is think, think of a relationship. Think you just met, you know, your dream man or woman and, can you imagine? So you you really want this to work out. You you are into this person. Can you imagine if you called and text and emailed this person all day every day the first week you met? I I don't know for sure, but I would guess that you would repel the hell out of this person and they would run away from you because they're like, whoa, that is too much. So that is. That is the like holding on so tightly because you want it. And it sounds insane and you sound like a stalker, but it's that same notion. You think of when you meet someone, yeah, you want to communicate and let them know you're interested, but there is something about letting things play out, allowing things to unfold naturally and coming from a place of trust rather than desperation. So my wife and I, uh, there was two years between our first and second date. So that's what I was thinking about. Stop. As you explain that idea. So we won't. You're like, kidding we won't me. <laughs> no, that's all about patience and just, you know, letting it unfold and trusting the process and, you know, it'll happen when it's the right time and, or, or not. And, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Our first, the first time we went out, um, it, it was fine. We had a great dinner, but it clearly wasn't the right time. And then two years later, after, uh, cycling across, Africa got back and bumped into Judith and she's like, Oh, I'd love to see your pictures. And we ended up basically, you know, hanging out full time ever since. Um, but that's, it's quite funny because you as you were saying that anyway, so lots of funny thoughts wow. going through my mind um, as you were telling me that story. That was hilarious. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think anyone who is um, feeling frustration in the romance department, you just gave them so much hope and freedom. And you just perfectly illustrated exactly what I'm talking about that you can't see me, but I just have my mouth wide open and I'm laughing hysterically because again, you you can't make this up. Thank you. Nope, I can't make that one up. We're not going to get into that. Either. I'm just going to let that go and leave that out in the podcast universe. <laughs> not dig into the details on that one, but it took me cycling across Africa for five months to get a second date. But anyway, um, also super interested in the idea of a strong why. Uh, this is also something that comes up all the time and it's about being patient, but having that why that drives you. So it's not like we're saying surrender and let anything happen had let anything happen, we still know or have a sense or try to develop that purpose, that that why, that reason. And whether it's family or your work or reach, you're reaching your own personal potential, whatever it happens to be, I'm very curious about cultivating a strong sense of, of why, because I think that enables yeah, and, so many other things yeah. to happen too. 
Yes, a, a few things with that. First of all, everyone and their mother tells me they want to write a book and I fully support that. And <clears throat> clearly it's something I wanted to do. But when I ask them why they want to write a book, I'm hearing a lot of things like um, notoriety or money, or I, I'm hearing all these, all these whys that as someone who's done the work, I don't know that that will carry you through. In other words, it's like someone telling me they want to be a parent because they can post pictures of their cute child and get more likes on Instagram. And I think, Ooh, like you are probably not going to enjoy being a parent and your kids probably not going to enjoy having you as a parent. You know, that's not a, a good enough why to be a parent. And it's kind of the same with goals. And, and that just speaks to how we are plugged into to societal standards, oftentimes that we don't even believe in, or even I said to say to people, why do you want to get married? And they don't have a good reason. It's like, well, that's just what I'm supposed to do, right? Or I'm 30 years old. Oh my gosh, if I don't get married, what does that say about me? So there's, I said, but do you even believe that? So again, it goes back to core beliefs that we have that are not even rooted in the truth. And so for me, just doing the work around really questioning, is that thought even true? And, and why do you want to do that? Why is this important to you right now? And a lot of people have a hard time with this. Um, I, I was going to say surprisingly, but I guess it's not surprisingly. And, and with this project in particular, there were some tough moments for sure. And my why, Sam and Roth, my two friends I dedicated the book to, they were my, my why. They kept me going even when it was hard. I looked up at them and was like, you guys figured out, or I need your help today, or what do you want me to say? And really leaned into my why to keep me going. And, and that's what I say to everybody. And I think too, when you get really clear on your why, you may find yourself leaving your job, leaving your relationship, changing careers, moving to a different city, because you're now doing not what you want, but what you really, and I put really in italics, you're now doing what you really want. And I think people have experienced that during the pandemic where, they no longer had to do certain things or be certain things or, um, you know, really be so, uh, um, what is the word? I guess highly invested in their identity. You know, I'm a, I'm a highly invested in my New York city identity and I've actually left the area during the pandemic. And it was hard because I saw for myself how attached I was to that identity, but then I see that that's the very reason why the universe took me out of there because I needed to, to release that. Um, so many thoughts going through my head as you're, as you're speaking about that. I also left Toronto where I live, um, during the pandemic as well to go to a very different place. Uh, you know, left a great job that was fantastic and everything that I'd ever sort of uh, wanted to go do, you know, other things. So I, everything you're saying today is resonating so much for me. I hope it's resonating for everyone listening as well. One of the other ideas that you mentioned that I want to dig into a little bit and sort of unpack is the idea of presence. And I, the reason why I want to bring that up is because you mentioned like being all there, right? It was what, you know, so be where your feet are. I love that idea of just being fully present and uh, in the moment. But then you also talked about presence as in P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, like your presence, the energy that you bring. And I haven't really heard those two things brought together at the same time. And I think that it's fascinating because it's obviously the same root word, same idea, but two very different ways of thinking about it. And just would love for your, um, you know, sort of a bit more unpacking of that idea, because I think it's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I just, you know, someone was even asking me today, um, and this person, of course, has has presence, but early in my journalism career, when I was at Northwestern, I had the opportunity to interview then Illinois Senator 
Barack Obama. And I remember I had interviewed, you know, I came from Hollywood, so I'd interviewed so many celebrities. And at the time he wasn't President Obama, but I remember interviewing him. And besides the fact that he was like two inches from my face, I'm like, whoa. But I remember calling my mom after that interview and said, I have never interviewed someone. I mean, very intelligent, very well-spoken, but I remember using the word presence. I'm like, that man has such a presence that you, and think about someone in your life you've been around. Usually it's a celebrity or something, but they have such a presence. And I think because they're just so grounded in who they are and they're unapologetic about it, I think we can increase our presence when we are releasing, um, you know, what people think about us. And I have so many clients, brilliant, highly successful clients who say, and it breaks my heart when they walk into their work, they feel like they have to perform. They feel like they aren't good enough. They feel like, they have to be constantly like, I have to say something intelligent. I have to, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they, in other words, they don't feel safe or confident to be fully immersed in who they authentically are and need to be, which is your presence. So I think when you are so, there's also political figures that are very well hated, but there's no, they are authentically who they are and they have a presence and you might hate them, but there's no denying that they just show up unapologetically. So I think the more that you can just, um, and, and when you are present, you have a presence, right? So they, they, they are interlinked and they do go hand in hand because when you're present, you, um, people can feel that you see them and you hear them and you're acknowledging them. And I really believe that's an epidemic in our world right now where we aren't seeing even people we love or claim to love. We don't see them or hear them often because we're so checked out and dwelling or distracted or, you know, going over that nasty email or thinking how we got it wrong. And I, I think we do such a disservice to ourselves and, and each other when we, when we don't see and hear and acknowledge one another with our presence. That. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. When I was uh, like early nineties, early in my career, I went to a Session with Stephen, the late great Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and mm. um, a, a book that had a pretty profound impact on my life at the time. And one of the things that he said in that session, which I has stuck with me ever since, is that one of the most fundamental human needs is the need to be listened to and understood. And so he said, when you're listening to someone, seek to understand and listen as if you're trying to you know, really understand what that person is is trying to say rather than trying to think about what you're going to say next, right? And that simple idea of like really actually listening to someone as they're speaking to you is so powerful. I was a physiologist I used to work with called Stephen Norris. And um, I remember watching him in sessions that he would do with coaches and athletes. And when someone would ask a question, he would like walk right over, look at them, like freeze, just like you said, Barack was like, you know, two inches from your face as you're doing your interview. <laughs> Um, like he was literally like that as well. And people loved it because they felt like they were the most, you know, important person to him at that time as he's like nodding his head as they're explaining what they're thinking about and like really engaged with them. So that idea of like really truly being present, being, you know, bringing your presence, listening to others, absorbing their information is so helpful for the people around us right now. Yeah. And, you know, I've been, people have been asking me, or what's your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? And things like that. Or, you know, as you know, when you write a book, you get in, you get endorsements and things like that. And I really thought about a common through line. And I think about, 
you talk again about building presence and authenticity and confidence, no one, no one was talking about achievements or this or that, or, you know, I talk about even romantic partners I've had. It's never been like, I'm with Kate because of how she looks. It's, they like those inner characteristics, but I think the best thing that people can say about us and things that, you know, people. I've heard or they've written about me that makes me cry is when people are like, you know, Kate meets you where you are, or Kate makes you feel like the only person in the room. Kate makes you feel good about being human. And these are things that we all have available to us. Like all of us can offer this gift and these gifts to people. It's just that I think sometimes we're so focused on impressing people or look at my credentials, look at my resume, look at me, as opposed to looking at the person, you know, you will influence, somebody said something along the lines of, you will influence people way more by being genuinely interested in them than by getting them to be interested in you because of all the things that you've achieved. I'm totally paraphrasing some brilliant quote by some brilliant person that I can't think of at the moment, but you know, it's, but it's, it's so true. And I think of, um, you know, my favorite thing in life is to deeply connect with others. That's why I'm so grateful for people like you and these podcasts and these conversations. And I, I hope your listeners, are, are feeling connected to and, and that they are feeling seen and heard just by resonating with what we're saying. But I, I just invite everyone to spend a little extra time really listening to the people that you're across from. Even, you know, the person at the grocery store checkout. I always, you know, we've all got our masks on, but you can see each other in the eyes and hey, how are you doing? And and actually listening and, and making a comment. I think of this this moment on the red carpet when I was a journalist in Hollywood and, and Tommy Lee Jones, who was, he was a little gruff, but um, I watched this journalist, I'll never forget this lesson. I watched this journalist say something like, oh, yay, how, you know, um, how you doing, whatever. And he says, well, not well, my grandmother just died. And the journalist said, oh, that's great, that's great. So what was it like working with Tom Cruise? And he looked me straight in the eyes. I, I, I've i never seen a look of disgust so severe. And he actually left the red carpet and stopped doing all interviews. And that was just such a perfect case of people just not listening. You're just so focused on the questions you have to ask. And it's all about you. And the fact that someone tells you they lost their grandmother and you say, that's great. What's it like working with Tom Cruise? That to me just speaks of of our society at large, quite frankly. And um, it, it saddens me. So then you know, what do you do about it? You just make sure that you are all in and locked in with the people that you're with. Absolutely love it. Um, Ian Lopatin, who runs a company called Spiritual Gangster, a yoga clothing company, was on the show. And one of the things he said that goes along the same lines that popped into my brain as you were speaking was the idea that if you want something, help other people to get that thing. And that's how you'll get what it is that you actually want. So it's in, it's funny that you actually don't go after it yourself. You help others get it. And that in, in turn will lead to you receiving um, that thing, which is, which is just, you know, sort of feel like that's actually kind of what's happening here with, uh, this awesome conversation. Tell us a little bit about the full spirit workout. Oh, I love the full spirit workout a, because it works, but it just, for me, it brings me uh, so much joy and it makes me feel alive and energized and, and really ready to take on the world. And that's why for me, it's just my, I feel like my extension of my, myself and the work that I've done to really, help other people develop these tools because like I mentioned, we're all struggling in one way or another. And so this is really 
it's an exercise for your spirit to help you get fit on the inside. So it's, you know, research back strategies to help you excel at the game of life, whatever your thing is that you want to do. And I've incorporated journaling exercises and meditations to give you that time. Even if you're a brand new to meditation, it's still great for you and can really just get you in, in touch with your breath and slowing down and, and, and being mindful and connecting with your body and your spirit. And when you're in that place and you do become more practiced at listening, that's when you receive the, the divine guidance to take the next action step, the email to send, the person to reach out to. And you know, I end each chapter with a Coach Kate check-in because I am an executive leadership coach and just asking the questions to really make you reflect and they're heartfelt, but also gritty. And just from my training and my whole person coaching techniques that I swear by. And, you know, I've added in neuroscience and positive psychology and just a lot of personal antidotes. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a broadcast journalist, so I, I made it conversational. I made it fun. I don't want it to feel like a hundred burpees at the gym where you're miserable and dying. It's more, <laughs> a little more fun than that. And, um, you know, I just think it's something for everybody and you can pick and choose, but I've gotten really great feedback from it. And, um, that's to say, because I think people, relate to honesty and just telling it how it is. You know, I really like a get real approach to my spiritual fitness. Kate, this is so awesome. I'm so happy and grateful that we had the chance to chat and to hear your stories and wisdom. I feel like we could definitely do a round two for sure. If people want to learn more and connect with you online, where can they find you? Sure. It's just kateekman.tv and Ekman is E-C-K-M-A-N. Kate, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Greg, you're the best. My pleasure. <laughs> I hope to talk again soon. All right, everybody. Hope that you enjoyed that. Kate's pretty amazing and super psyched that we were able to have her on the show. If you want to learn more, check out kateekman.tv. That's K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv. And that's where you can get all of the social media links. If you want to check out her book, check out the fullspiritworkout.com and that's where you can get that information. All right. So thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it on your social channels. That helps us tremendously. Uh, if you can give us a review on iTunes, that is also absolutely brilliant. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week. Really appreciate you being here. We are grateful for all of you. And that we and we do hope that we're being of service when we create these these episodes. So if we are, let us know or share it. All right, take it easy. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.